0: So Huawei, the giant telecommunications company in China, is accusing the U.S. of committing cybercrimes against the company. Vice comes out with the report that Department of Motor Vehicles or Bureau of Motor Vehicles, depending on where you are, are selling your data to shady companies. And my interview with Joel Nydig, CEO of SimbaChain, a South Bend-based software company that's doing some really, really cool stuff with blockchain, on this episode of the Cyber.Now podcast. My name is Nick Sturgeon, your host. Thank you guys for joining in once again to this episode of Cyber.Now. I really, really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to listen to this show, your continued support, your continued listening is very much appreciated. If you're new to this podcast, Cyber.Now is all about informing you guys and gals about tech, cybersecurity, politics, policy, government, all of that good stuff around cybersecurity and technology, how it affects you in your daily lives. I also want to thank show sponsor Delta Research for their continued support of this show. And I can't thank Joel enough for taking time out of his day a couple weeks ago to talk about what Simba Chain is, what they're doing. It's actually an interesting story about how Joel and I actually met. We didn't actually meet here in Indiana. You'll have to stick to the part of the episode where... The interview is to learn about how he and I actually met and where we met. It's a good story. As I mentioned in the interview, at the beginning of the interview, I'm a really big fan of those type of stories of how people meet where they meet. And the more interesting they are, the more that I like it. And I think this ranks up there in my books, but hey, I'm biased a little bit. But anyway, we will jump right into the stories for today. First of all, Huawei, if you're not familiar with them, they are a giant telecommunications company based out of China. And the reason this is important, they have been blocked by the United States government from being able to sell equipment here in the U S the big concern is because of the ties supposed ties that the company has with the Chinese government. And is there a national security risk by having their equipment in the U S the fears are that the Chinese would have direct access to all the data, all the Conversations that are being run through and over that telecommunications gear that Huawei owns. And based on what I have read, the concerns are legitimate. There are a number of actual stories, not just some legend or myth type of things of the Chinese government having tapped in, stolen intellectual property from folks at other companies and tapping and spying on their own people. I mean, that stuff is actually going on. And to have that type of risk of you and I's conversations, our internet histories, everything that we do, and the potential for... On the, the privacy side of things is massive. As well, again, from a national security standpoint, of them having the ability potentially to continue to, or not, I shouldn't say continue, but to have the ability to steal top secret, very sensitive data is a huge national security concern, at least in my opinion. And I think in the opinion of many others. Now, The story from The Verge, and there's some other articles. This was just one of the first ones that I was able to pull up. And the story was from September 4th. And it says, In a lengthy statement released this week, Huawei accused the United States government of attempting to infiltrate its networks and harassing its employees. The accusations are the latest in the ongoing fight between The U.S. and the Chinese tech giant. Officials believe Huawei could act as a tool for espionage by the Chinese government, which the company has repeatedly denied it would do. The U.S., according to Huawei's new statement, quote, has been using every tool at its disposal, including both judicial and administrative powers as well as a host of other unscopulous means to disrupt the normal business operation of Huawei and its partners, quote. While the company has levied similar charges in the past, Huawei released a bullet point list with new accusations, including that the U.S. has tried to hack its, quote, internet and internal information systems, end quote. There were... No other details provided in the statement, including whether the purported attack was successful. Huawei has also claimed that law enforcement has harassed harassed its employees, including by visiting their homes, and that the U.S. was, quote, attempting entrapment or pretending to be Huawei employees to establish legal pretense for unfounded accusations against the company. Huawei released a statement following a Wall Street Journal report last week that the Department of Justice was investigating accusations that the company had stolen smartphone cameras. The company denied the allegations in the statement. The U.S. effectively blacklisted Huawei from working with American companies through executive action earlier this year. China is locked in an escalating trade war with the Trump administration. And the fate of Huawei is seen as potentially crucial to those negotiations. So that bullet point list can be found on Twitter. And there's a series of tweets, but the bullet point specifically Like the first one, says, instructing law enforcement to threaten menace, coerce, entice, and entice both current and former Huawei employees to turn against the company. Unlawful searching, detaining, and even arresting Huawei employees and Huawei partners. Uh, Sending FBI agents to the homes of Huawei employees and pressuring them to collect information on the company. Launching investigations based on false media reports that target the company. And obstructing normal business activities and technical communications through intimidation, denying visas, detaining shipments, etc. Those are just some of the nine points that Huawei uh, put out. So it's very interesting. uh, At least kind of the, the tactics that supposedly the U.S. is doing against this company. And then as well, the concerns of many U.S. officials. About the cybersecurity and privacy concerns, national security concerns, like I mentioned earlier, against this company. So, anyway, I'll have links to the the Twitter post from Huawei, as well as The Verge in the show notes. So the last story that I want to get into real quick, and I want to thank Lindsay Marie for pointing this one out to me, because I honestly had missed this whole thing. And she'd sent me a Twitter message with the link to the the Vice article. But anyway, it's titled DMVs are selling your data to private investigators. It starts out, you give them your data in exchange for a driver's license. Now, I want to stop right there. This is information about you not your data so i think there is a bit of well we need to define this quite a bit before we go on yes this is information about you but is this data that you own quote making it your data seems like there's not much of a difference there but there is and i think to be fair We have to make sure we have that really defined out. Now, data that you own is things that you create, whether that's intellectual property, that's recordings like this, like this podcast would be my data, but data that another entity or an organization creates is their data. And in this case, it just happens to be data about you. But do you own this data? We've talked about this on the show before. Well, technically, no, you don't own the data. It wasn't created or generated by your own hands. So if I go out to my garage, to my woodworking area, and I make something with my own hands, that is mine. However, the data that was generated about the tool... Or tools that I bought from Lowe's or some other hardware store. Is that mine? Or is that Lowe's? It's about me. But do I own it? And in my opinion, no, I do not own that data. But that does not mean that Lowe's, or in this case, a Department of Motor Vehicles or Bureau of Motor Vehicle, doesn't have a responsibility to keep that data about me safe. Because... In the wrong hands, and this has been demonstrated over and over and over through the many data breaches, or at least the after effects of the many data breaches that have happened over the years, that information can be used to harm us. So I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm as crystal clear as I can be. Just because it is not our data, meaning we own it, but because it is about us, these companies and the governments have a responsibility to keep that data safe. Okay, back to the story. Departments of motor vehicles in states around the country are taking drivers' personal information and selling it to thousands of businesses, including private investigators who spy on people for a profit. Motherboard has learned DMVs sell the data for array of approved purposes such as to insurance or tow companies, but some of them have sold it to more nefarious businesses as well. Multiple states have made tens of millions of dollars a year on selling data. So uh, one particular issue that I have is they are defining what a nefarious business is. Not all private investigators are bad. I think that's making a blanket assumption, trying to hit some emotion there with their readers. Now, the other issue here is the, the act of selling anything by a state to generate money. That's a whole other issue. Is it ethical and should they be doing it? I understand, having worked with this couple of state agencies, why they would want to do that. And mainly because a lot of these agencies aren't getting the budgets that they want, so they sell this data, sell this information to help bolster their budget so they can do more programs and other things. Again, another conversation on whether it is ethical or they should be doing that, and, and from the liberty standpoint, the more that the governments are doing, the more things that they're going out, it's probably not a good thing because they don't do it quite as efficiently as the private sector and then there's a whole array of privacy issues, which this article gets into. And once they sell that information, they really lose control of what these private companies actually do with it. And not saying every single one of these companies is doing what they should or ethically handling that information ethically. I mean, there are some concerns, so I'm not completely lamb-basting this article, though, I think there are some points through it that, again, I'm kind of eh, a little sketchy on, you know, Vice is a little bit more of a left leaning, leaning uh, media outlet. But I think one of the quote here is absolutely on point It's saying the selling of personal identifying information to third parties is broadly a privacy issue. For all and specifically a safety issue for survivors of abuse, including domestic violence, sexual assault, stalking, and trafficking, end quote. And this was a quote from Erica Olson, director of Safety Net at the National Network to end domestic violence. Now, to be completely transparent, I haven't read any of the MOUs or agreements or looked at the Program around these DMVs selling it. Don't know who is allowed to purchase the data or any of that. So it's really kind of unfair to come up with some blanket statement to say these, all of these programs are unethical or shouldn't be doing it without actually reading it. So I'm just making my commentary based on this. Article and and coming up with some suppositions about again the ethics of whether or not these state agencies should be selling data about you to anybody, private, public doesn't matter. Should they actually be in the business of selling data or anything else? And then what are they doing with that money that is being? generated from the cells the of this data. I think a lot of issues outside of the, the privacy concerns for state agencies or even the federal government doing this type of business. So I'll end on this note. If you're concerned about whether or not your state is actually doing this, your department or Bureau of Motor Vehicles is in this practice of selling data about you to private companies, reach out to your state legislator and beg the question to them or bring that question up to them and say, hey, I don't really agree with this. Can we do something about it? And then hopefully they can take it back. And if maybe enough people are concerned in bringing this up, they will do something about it. Because after all, the state agencies Get their authority from the state legislature. So go out, talk to them, say, hey, this is a concern for me, and it should be a concern for you. And if it's not a concern for them, maybe you need to uh, think about that when it comes time for their reelection. All right, that is enough of my ramblings for today. Hopefully, you've enjoyed that part of the content. Now I'm going to play for you my interview with Joel Nydick of SimbaChain. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome from South Bend, Indiana, the beautiful campus of Notre Dame University. I am fortunate to be here, and we'll get into the story a little bit of, of how this came to be, but I'm Nick Sturgeon. The host of the Cyber.now podcast with me is Joel Nydick, the CEO of SimbaChain, Chain. Welcome. Thank you for taking the time out.
1: Yeah, thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so um, we'll get into a little bit of who you are and what Simba Chain is a little bit, but I really, for the audience, want to first get into how we actually met. Of all places, (laughs) literally in the entire world, we come across each other and meet on a Disney cruise in the middle of the Atlantic uh, in the Bahamas, and it's just one of those things, it just, it's happenstance that it, it just, the, the timing of it was, yeah. was right. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. I know my half of the story, Right. Um, but for the audience, so we're, it's the night of, I think night two or night three Right. Um, of the cruise. It's a four, four night cruise. Uh, and we're out to see. I know my family and I had just gotten finished with our meal uh, in one of the, uh, I think it was the Garden Palace. It was a more fancier restaurant yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was nice. And wife and I were were going through the gift shop, and then almost all the way out, and I hear, "Hey, if we don't win the Mirror Award, at least we have this." And I turn yeah. around, and that was a golden mickey right yeah yeah the golden
1: (laughs) mickey exactly like the fake the fake oscar award that they were doing for the uh the plays during the week yeah Yeah. uh
0: and immediately that got my attention because for those of you not in indiana the mirror awards is a really really prestigious tech banquet and i i i Knew that there were other folks from Indiana on that cruise, but it's such a specific thing. Caught my attention, I turned around and and came up and introduced myself. Yeah, but how I mean, what was your other half? How did you uh, get to that point? Yeah, no, yeah,
1: my family, we uh, booked the Disney cruise. Of course, you book it like a year in advance, right? Because you it's a big deal. And so, um, yeah, we were just, uh, you know, family adventure, you know, enjoying the, enjoying that as a great cruise. Um, I'd never been on a, on a Disney cruise and so it was, it was pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, I was just like me and my wife were going through the gift shop and I was like, <laughs> you know, the golden Mickey's had just, or whatever, or we'd just seen that the show before or something. And it was like, Oh yeah. Like, Hey, you know, we, we, we I, I'd, I'd entered into the mirror awards and we had, uh, uh, we were one of the finalists for the new product of the year. I was like, Hey, Lindsay I was like, if we, you know, if we don't win, I was like, Hey, I can get this Mickey, this golden Mickey award, you know, I, you are not to buy it on the cruise line. Yeah. So it's like, Hey, it'd be special. Right. And so I said, you know, this consolation prize. So anyway,
0: but yeah. Yeah. I, it's but, just one of those things for me. I, it's, I'm always listening. It's my right. cop background and it's just situational awareness and and it's just that one the mirror award. i'm like oh not only are they from indiana but they're in the you know the tech space as well and me not being very bashful yeah. yeah It was perfect. And, yeah, I know. And of course time. we
1: live in Indiana, but we have to meet on a yeah. <laughs> I'm in the Bahamas on a Disney cruise. So yeah, it's just funny.
0: Yeah, the, the great cruise. We're actually yeah. gonna go back next oh, October for our second cruise. Oh
1: nice. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I, I would definitely go back sometime. So, yeah, yeah.
0: just the the staff was super oh, friendly. The yeah. mills were fantastic. The weather was all but perfect yeah. except for the last night. But Yeah,
1: it was yeah, it was great. So, so okay. any, yeah, yeah, anyway, I just, I
0: think that it, I find it interesting. I love right. hearing stories like that, how people meet. I right. thought others may find that interesting. Right. And, and so thank you for coming on. Yeah, and, thanks. Uh, and we'll get a little bit into what happened, you know, with the Mirror Awards sure. a little bit later. Don't want to spoil the surprise. Sure, yeah. But so... Simba Chain, you know, we've yeah. we've talking, been following you. I, I, I know from the social media you guys are doing some wonderful things, but you know, how did you decide to start the company? Why? And and just, you know, tell us a little bit about who you are and, sure. and how you got to, to be here today.
1: Yeah, sure. So um so my family owns a manufacturing company called Itamco. And so what we'd been doing is a lot of research and development, and Notre Dame had pro- approached us and like, Hey, you guys have some great tech, let's start, you know, commercializing some of these items and um, this isn't my first startup, so we had another startup already going in the additive manufacturing okay. space for software as a service, and we had built a uh, app, an iOS app at ITM Co. called CryptoChat. Okay. And so I reached out to the Center for Research Computing at Notre Dame because we had collaborated on other projects. I'm like, hey, you know, DARPA just came out with, and if you're not familiar with DARPA, it's the Advanced Research Project Agency. Mm-hmm. And they did, like, all the autonomous vehicle challenge, you know, before, you know, Google even started doing it. So they are very early stage, like, research, but crazy stuff. And so... This, this call came out for the Small Business Innovation Research Grants, and I contacted Dr. Yark Nabriski, who's one of my co founders at the Center for Research Computing, and I said, Hey, uh, he's a co founder at Simba, and I said, Hey, let's, uh, do you want to go after this project with us? You know, it has to be a small business, but we collaborate with the university. He's like, Yeah, it'd be great. I got the perfect guy. And so that was Dr. Ian Taylor, now CTO. Man. And he's like, he's in distributed computing. He's won the national or the Navy Research Laboratory best paper like three years in a row. Nice. And it's like, so we had a great team just to kick it off. Well, anyway, we, we put this proposal together. We had no idea about blockchain. I mean, I'd looked at Bitcoin and crypto and I had mined some coins in mm-hmm. the past, but I was like, you know, how does blockchain relate to secure messaging, which yeah. is what they wanted. And so uh, we proposed it, and we won. Nice. And so from there, uh, we realized how difficult it was to program in the blockchain space, and how and the great the capabilities of encryption and security that it brings, and and transparency. Uh, we were like, this is gonna go somewhere. And so so that was back in 2016. And so we just started building on what we, what we learned in that project. Um, and from there, we just continued to uh, land more contracts. We stood up the company, Simba, did a seed round of half a million led by elder nice. ventures. Yeah. Um, so local, you know, venture yep. capital in, uh, in Indiana. Um, and then Notre Dame made an investment. It was a Notre Dame technology. And so from there, we just kind of, kind of took off and, and now we're, you know, uh, raising our seed around and, and it's going well. Nice.
0: So for those that may not know, What blockchain is? You mentioned Bitcoin. I'm sure Sure, most everybody has heard of Bitcoin by now, just because of the ransomware incidents that are happening all the time, and they're always wanting to have Bitcoin. Tell us what about about the Bitcoin technology. That makes this interesting for what you guys were, were were wanting to do and build this business on. Sure,
1: yeah, and what we ended up doing was, um, Bitcoin doesn't have a smart contract capability. It's more of a digital ledger that's you know completely distributed, and there's no sing- single entity that owns the owns the network. And we can get into fifty one percent attacks and all yeah, the yeah. other <laughs> stuff, but let's, that's probably for another time. <laughs> so, so what happened was in two thousand thirteen, there was a paper that came out called. Um, it was written by. Uh, Vitalik Buterin um, and Joseph Lubin, and there's another gentleman, and forgive me if they're listening. Um, so what happened was, is they came out with an idea that there should be a blockchain network that's distributed that has these things called smart contracts. Um, and I don't think they were the first ones to think about smart contracts particularly, but they really, I mean, Ethereum is massive now. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, that was part of, we implemented Ethereum and Hyperledger in our DARPA project. And we built an API that communicates with those smart contracts okay. because smart contracts are the only thing that communicate with the blockchain. What it allows you to do is have automatic execution of these items. So like if this, then that, and it only happens on the blockchain and it's completely containerized and it's very, very hard to, you know, hack that if there's, you know, proof of work consensus algorithms going on mm-hmm. and people are watching and, you know, there's miners validating these transactions. Yeah. And so that's what um, that's what we built on. And so we built an easy API that like iOS and Android and anybody that can, you know, program can can build on blockchain. They don't have to know blockchain, but they know, hey, I want to use like a non-reputable, immutable ledger to do so. Um, and so that's that's really where we take it off. And so since then, we've built all these other protocols in. So we, we are using a side chain that uses Bitcoin okay. as they're, they're pegging to. It's called RSK. So RSK is a smart Bitcoin okay. uh, side chain. But we also support Quorum, which is JP Morgan's uh, open source blockchain. And then we also support Stellar. So St- Stellar is more on financial transactions. Okay. And so, yeah, so we just keep on adding a lot more. We're very agnostic to blockchain technology and, and in the we're both in the crypto and, and blockchain space.
0: So what are some of the applications that you're developing for? What are the, you know, sure. the purposes behind yeah. that? And it, what do you... As you're engaging clients and folks, what are they trying to do this as far as a, an actual application or use case?
1: Sure. Yeah. A lot of it's been on supply
0: chain security.
1: So having that visibility, auditability, the military is huge into that, right? Because they mm-hmm. want to know intellectual property. They want to know what actors are involved in that network, who is um, who is supplying those components there's a big deal like you know even in the f35 and other things they're like making sure there's not chips from China yeah you know that could be in there um, and so that's been a big deal We also see that there's some large companies I mean you think about Equifax Capital One, all these other people that have these honeypots of databases that people's private information has been exposed and so anybody that has had anybody that had a mortgage or a car or anything like that any type of credit, they were probably hacked with the Equifax app, you know, your whole information was exposed and Capital One, if you had Capital One card or, you know, anything like that, mortgage or whatever, that was also recently exposed. And then I think MoviePass. And so anybody that has these centralized areas, and that's what the government has realized on the defense side is that we cannot have a single point attack vector. We need to be distributed. We need to be agile. We need to be able to have nodes that can kind of go down and that it's a self-healing network. That can kind of continue on, and I think that's what happens with those with the crypto locker and these other you know ransomware effects is because you have a honeypot information and then it spreads out. It locks it with a you know a secure hash and Bitcoin, and you have to pay it in order to get it unlocked. And so as we get more distributed, it has you know public and private keys that control these different nodes and your own access to your information. And I think that's you know really putting the power of the of of information back in the hands of the
0: user but from an infrastructure standpoint you guys aren't necessarily having as simba chain having to invest in the infrastructure right you provide the code and then whatever hardware that the, you know, person wanting to use it, they can do it. And so,
1: right. Yeah. And that's where we launched our SCAS. Um, so we have a, we have a software as a service, but we also have a SCAS, which is our smart contract as a service. Mm-hmm. And that's hosted in Azure right now. We're getting ready to roll out to AWS. Okay. But so people can use their own cloud-based infrastructure that they've already pre-bought. So a lot of people have made big investments in the cloud because they're like, I don't want to host my own data centers. Yeah. And the DOD, you know, the Jedi program, yep. um, it's $10 billion. Our program. Who knows? AWS, Google, you know Google, yeah, yeah. Microsoft, Oracle. Who knows what's going to win in there? But you know, I'm sure there's there's plenty <laughs> of lawsuits going on in protests. Yep. <laughs> but but that's the thing is like things are moving to the cloud, and that's where people want to get. They've pre-bought this consumption, and they want to use that infrastructure that they're that's already built for them.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting to me to see that for the longest time it was well, we need to centralize everything. The cost of Hosting and data and all of that, also some analytics, business intelligence, was pushing towards that centralization right. of databases. But on the security side of it, it made it that these attackers they push everything to that one point right. and almost overload, if you will, use some military tactics here, you know. Right. You, the attacker, all they have to do is put all of their forces and efforts on that one point, point, yep, yep. and eventually it's breaking, right? And has broken, and it's so it's kind of interesting now to see we're kind of reverting back to a decentralization right standpoint,
1: right? Yeah, and it, and it's really and a lot of it's coming with the the, the protocols and technology. So you know, with five G coming out, we're going to be able to have a lot more peer to peer kind of capabilities with AI and machine learning blockchain is going to validate that those models are correct because Mm -hmm. you can't, the militarys realize you can't run amok with the artificial intelligence machine learning unless it's been a validated process. And so Mm -hmm. blockchain has that governance that it can bring into where you have that, that consensus on, okay, yes, this is the right AI model that we're going to be using um, and things like that. So they're really Mm -hmm. dialing it in, though into the planning, all the model based engineering, everything from that, and then keeping it very distributed. Um, is is definitely the way they're going to go. I mean, even the digital engineering strategy by the DoD specifically lays out blockchain and, distribu- and distribution. So I mean they they it's they're full they're all in yeah. implementing it.
0: Yeah. And generally when when the federal government or you know, the military goes one direction, that has some positive ripple sure. effects for pushing whatever standard or technology out into the rest of the world in my day job, I'm in healthcare and, and in the EDU space, do you see applications for blockchain in other areas, you know, specifically sure. healthcare and, and .edu and other um, lower .gov?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's even, you know, it's basically digital file sharing and keeping that secure and who has ownership of what and who's had access to what. And, um, you know, we see digital identities is a big uh, deal, you know, um, keeping, uh, that secure and who, and, you know, and and literally identifying that person as that person. And so we're seeing that as, you know, in the U S we're very privileged because we have these resources, but there's a, there's the rest, half the world doesn't have identity. There's, um, you know, tribal documents, mm-hmm. there's, um, you know, they just don't And in to try and buy a house or have credit or anything like that. I mean. That brings a whole nother thing. And then even get proper healthcare. So now if you can't identify, you know, this person and then we need, and then how do we, how does their healthcare file transfer with them? Yeah. So, I mean, even in the U S we go to the doctor and they're like, okay, tell us your medical history. It's like, how do you not have this? Like, you know, online and you know, we're getting hacked all over the place on centralized systems, but this is, you know, not documented anywhere. So I think the blockchain brings a lot of things where you can go, here's my private key. I'm going to unlock it. I'm going to unlock this data, and now I'm going to share it with my doctor, and he can immediately access it. But you have the power and the keys to unlock that to him.
0: And so, so yeah, yeah. For, but, and we kind of get into this: who owns the data? Right. So this actually, to me, seems like it would give the individual power and say, "This is my data right. about me." Right. And then I'm giving you this limited access to to this specific portion of, right. of data,
1: right. and then. Right. And that's an exact, and that's what, you know, I think Facebook is trying to make a correction. You know, they're trying to go with the Libra foundation and things like that. Okay. All right. We're going to involve all this consortium of these companies and you will own your data now and you share it and unlock it with who you want, like who you want to do transactions with, who you want to do messaging with and different things like that. So I think that's where the Libra uh, foundation or Calibra for the wallet side is going to be a big deal. And we're going to be supporting that, you know, in our roadmap as we move forward. But we, we know there's not just one end-all blockchain to solve all the problems because there's financial capabilities on Stellar that are super fast transactions. There's Quant Overledger, which we're going to be supporting soon. That has a lot of different tie-ins to like Ripple and R3 Corda. And we could talk about these other, you know, Hyperledger <laughs> okay. and these yeah. other digital ledger technologies. But there's a, I think we're not sure who's going to win out, but that's why we're remaining agnostic and keeping it. Where there's a, a nice distributed API that we provide that people can go to, nice. and then those connect to the different the different nodes and smart contracts. So,
0: let the free market decide what's the best technology right. or couple of the best technologies based on particular applications. Because I know Ethereum may not work well in. Right one industry but works very well or for another type of use case or application right. somewhere else so right
1: and you shouldn't have to rip out your entire business logic because the market the blockchain back end has changed or you know and so that's why we're trying this this api that we generate that remains is your custom business workflow and then you can connect ios android and web to that or your business systems and then the underlying on our on our platform, you just it's a click of a button to switch a different to a different blockchain. Okay.
0: So that's yeah. So as from your outside of developing this software technology, mm-hmm. what else are you doing as far as business? Are you helping? folks clients come in to, sure. to do that or tell us a little bit about your business model yeah so our
1: business model is um obviously a smart a software as a service um and what we do is we do have um some consulting capabilities but we more focus that on some larger clients but yeah. we're a freemium platform so anybody with an idea can come to our platform and build a blockchain application for free immediately. They can design their smart contract. No coding experience whatsoever because we make a nice visio. It's not visio, but it's our yeah, own I've graphing tool. I've, I've actually to, played with it oh, a little good. bit. Yeah so, yeah. yeah. so you just, if you can define your assets and transactions, you can build out your smart contract. And then we have a deployment tool on our Platform too that you can uh, deploy right to the blockchain, and you can save these smart contracts in your user profile. We have an HD wallet, so it does all the signing and transactions for you. You don't even have to worry about how you know crypto wallets work or anything like that. And then we have even test nets where you can get your own because you have to use gas for the crypto, you know, on the blockchain. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have our private permission networks that you can you can stand up yourself. You know, one we call Circle of Life uh so you know it's keeping up with the simba yeah. theme um but and simple and simba stands for simpler blockchain applications so we're trying to simplify yeah. abstract it where there is a there's great ios or android applications out there and coders that want to utilize blockchain but they're like oh my goodness i got into yeah. web3 yeah. and you know ethereum and etherscan and all this other stuff and we're like hey we can make it really easy for you with a node.js api nice so yeah so that's that's basically our business model and so we do uh but it's there's you know there's different areas where you can pay you know ten dollars a month for so many applications and transactions and there's like a hundred dollars a month and then one ninety nine and then we get into some enterprise stuff on Azure and AWS okay. that you can go
0: into, so yep, nice. So we mentioned at the beginning of the show that you guys were nominated. For and right. a finalist yeah. for right. the, the Tech Point Mirror Awards. How do I want to put this? So w- tell us a, b- a little bit more or more tell the audience a little bit more about the Mirror Awards. And then ultimately, you know, sure. what was the, the, the final result? Yeah, yeah. So the Mirror <laughs>
1: Awards tries to show like the best in tech in Indiana. And there's different categories for like best new startup or new product of the year and different things like that. So we won the new product of the year. Um, that was our thing, but, congratulations! um, yeah, thank you. So that was like pretty exciting. Um, and it was the largest category. I think there was like 11 teams in there. So what happens is people send in their nominations and then, uh, we were down selected to present. And so we got essentially in the group, the group of 11 to for the new best new tech product. Um, and it was the 20th year I think of the mirror awards. So they actually had fireworks inside (laughs) the, the building. And so it was like crazy. um, And inside the hotel there. Um, And so I think it was about 1400 people that attended and the governor came. So governor Holcomb came. Um, So it was pretty, it was a great event. And so then we, uh, they don't tell you that you're going to win before. So it's like, you just go to the event and you, you know, you hope and pray that you, you know, but it's just a great event just to even go to. So we were excited. So, so I had gone down earlier a few weeks before or a month before to go pitch. And so I had to pitch to a group of outside experts, um, that would be then deciding on the, on the award. And so I went down there and pitched to them, gave them our, you know, our, our company pitch and what, you know, what value we're bringing to like, you know, companies like Dow chemical and supply chain or the air force and Navy and defense, um, and their supply chains and security. And all these different, you know, we've landed large, some of these large contracts um, as a result of the work that we've been started in 2016. And so then, yeah, so then we went down. And so, you know, my wife and uh, my co-founders, Dr. Ian Taylor and Dr. Yark Dombriski came and Yark's wife was able to come as well. And so we just went down and it was a nice night. And then, you know, new tech product of the year came up. They introduced the, the nominees and we won. Nice. And it was just like, <laughs> I mean, it was so surreal. It was so exciting. And we got up there and, you know, gave a little acceptance speech. And, yeah. And so,
0: yeah. Yeah. And so, I, 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 I I was following it on Twitter, and I know yeah. I, I messaged you. Yeah. Say, well, don't need that golden Mickey now. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, hey, I'll still take the golden Mickey. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, no, the mirror award was <laughs> it was definitely awesome. So no, and, and for those not in Indiana and have not been in the tech, and I actually make another comment to South Bend top part of the state doing in Notre Dame is doing some really cool stuff with technology yeah. and cybersecurity. So it isn't all happening in Indianapolis. Right. right. So I think that was, it's good to get that recognition out. And again, it's a very prestigious award here in yeah. the state. So big congratulations thank to you, you guys yeah. on that. It's, it, it is a big deal. Yeah. So thank you. So what's kind of next, you, you mm-hmm. talked about the roadmap yeah. um, earlier, kind of what are the things that you're working on now kind of, you know, that you can tell obviously, uh, right. but you know, what are kind of the, the next things in the next, you know, six months to year out?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, um, one of the exciting things is by, we have a, we have a plan right now, 2020 by, we're going to have 2020 users by 2020. Okay, And so that's pretty exciting. So we're on track to hit that. Nice. And so we're giving like an award to that, to whoever is the 220th person okay. on our platform of $2,020 in Stellar. Nice. Uh, cryptocurrency. Yeah. So anyways, this is kind of a, a neat thing uh, that we're offering there. But so we have really passionate users. Um, there's a lot of on crypto Twitter. A lot of people are super excited. Um, and really we're just trying to democratize the usage of blockchain, like make it really easy. Cause there's a lot of people focus on scalability and protocols and all this other stuff. And like, we're like, we just want to focus on the, the use cases and the ease of use and we know that there'll be other blockchains that come along that kind of solve these other issues. So we want to stay up on the application layer and solve those issues for the user and give them ex- immediate benefit, like something tangible that they can use. Mm-hmm. And the other thing we do is off chaining. So we, we've already supported four different off, like Tahoe LAFs, IPFS, the interplanetary file system. These are distributed file storage okay. that work well with blockchain. So new technologies okay. that have come about. We use Azure Azure Blob Storage um, and Ceph is another one, which is a Red Hat IBM uh, Mm -hmm. open source distributed file sharing system. So it ties in well. And I think um, we'll be deploying out to other cloud platforms as we go um, to offer those because we realize that enterprises like the infrastructure that they have already invested in. And so we need to play in that space. Um, but we still have our software as a service for, like, developers that want to just get started and, mm-hmm. you know, build out a really cool app on blockchain. And so we have great use cases um, on our on our website that people can go download, templates they can use to get springboarded really fast and build out, you know, their, their application sharing.
0: Nice. I, and I, I do like the fact that you are helping the, the users and, and those, especially in your similar, in your case of entrepreneurs, yeah. where it's minimal... Investment into right. the the infrastructure, right? That that core piece of learning and not having to be a hardcore coder or developer, right? That I think most folks can easily learn Java or you right. know something like that without a whole lot of lead up time or runway to to gain that knowledge. So I, I think what you guys are doing from that standpoint is phenomenal to Thanks. help other entrepreneurs and other companies be able to spin this stuff up because. From a cybersecurity standpoint, blockchain is one of the answers. It's not just sure. a yeah, bullet. Not, yeah, exactly. You, know, yep. you, you mentioned no. some of the, the the attack types earlier, right. but it is a way for trusted identities to right. say, "You know, I'm Nick. You're Joel. Right? We want to, you know, have whatever transaction right. between us, and it's right." verified it's there it's yeah
1: and if we have a centralized yep. authority that's in between us yep. that's handled they're holding all the data yep. now all the guy doesn't have to attack you and me it yeah. just attack the centralized guy yeah so yeah so that's that's the whole reason why we have to have peer-to-peer communication
0: yeah yep. and, and so. it's it's fast As you right. said it's immutable right um so in the speed of business in the 21st century you're not waiting on even you know 10 20 30 minutes of processing time or hours of processing time. You can say, mm, "Okay, connect. Let's do what we need right. to do," and and so business can be done a, a lot quicker and, and securely. Which, from a startup standpoint, you know, I'm imagining. I haven't been in your shoes, right. but I can imagine that every little second or every oh, little yeah. you know hour you can save is and put time on growing the business and selling whatever right. product is, is huge.
1: Yeah. Because they're focused on their user experience and if we can bring the blockchain value to their product portfolio, that's huge. And there's so many different blockchain use cases. I mean, and, um, entrepreneurs and remote areas that, you know, could really build a great product and we were just trying to help them.
0: Nice. So, so right. anything else? I mean, you want to, I, it's kind of at the, the free flow sure. discussion at this point, I mean, you know, for me, and it just, for my audience, knows this. I love being able to talk to individuals like yourself and be able to promote what you guys are doing for the the community within Indiana. So, hey, I, again, I greatly appreciate you taking some time out sure. of your busy schedule and and hosting me as you know I'm up here talk about what you're doing. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, Nick. Appreciate it. All right. Well, with that, we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. That's it for this week's show, you guys. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again to our sponsor, Delta Research, for supporting the show. Again, if you want to join in on the conversation, go to the show's webpage at cybernowpod.com. Visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to get a hold of me directly, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Polititech or email me at nick at thepolititech.com. Finally, if you think this show is worthy, go to iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting platform to subscribe, rate, review, and don't forget to share the show. If you guys do all of that, I will be back again next week to do this thing once more. Until then, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.